0: Archie. Archie's here.
1: Betty's here. Veronica too. she's here. Hey Jugget, where are you? Come on, let's go with the Archie show.
0: Welcome to Archie Digest. It's a Riverdale podcast. This is a podcast. It's about a story. that's about a town. And this week, we're, we're talking about Chapter 22, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, I am Chris Hainer.
1: And I am Russ Burlingame. Uh, we are without Craig Byrne today. Uh, he is on a family vacation and also hasn't seen this episode yet. And so the the, the magic of the Internet is going to allow us to catch up with him and catch up with you guys because we've been gone for ever uh, soon. But tonight we wanted to make sure that Chris and I had a conversation about the crazy mid-season finale.
0: It's, it's it, like from top to bottom, this episode was freaking nuts. And you just finished watching it literally yeah. minutes ago. So I'm gonna let you steer the ship while it's all so, still so fresh in your mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for me at least is we were kind of led to believe and, and I should have been smarter than this, but we were kind of led to believe that the black hood story was going to end here and that we'd pick up another story in, in the way that say uh, Gotham or the walking. No, no, not so much the walking Dead, but like Gotham and agents of shield have been doing where you have multiple stories per season. Right. I think that's obviously not the case because you watch this episode, and to me, at least, all of those questions about like the handwriting and uh, the the different kind of motivations and 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 voices—not voices in terms of the voice disguise, but the the voices in terms of the tone of the the black hoods, whatever—all of that to me seems to come right back at you in those last few minutes and go, at least in my mind, clearly there is a second Black Hood out there somewhere.
0: I mean, yeah, this was an episode that answered all of the questions we had about the Black Hood and also answered literally none of the questions we had about the Black Hood. It gave us a supposed Black Hood in uh, creepy janitor number two, whose name I already forgot. uh, Spencer. Oh yes, who had a who had like a a sad backstory, and like you kind of understood like why he would be driven to become this person. But if you honestly believe that this show spent so much time lingering on the black hood's eyes, only for Arch to be like, "Oh, I must I must have been wrong," yeah, then you're crazy. There's there's no way whatsoever that they would have spent so much time obsessed with this guy's. Hazel green eyes, only for Arch- Archie to be like, "Oh, I guess I was just misremembering." This is truly the only Black Hood. Yeah, yeah.
1: Once again, I mean, we there were things already in there that had like the the idea that there was the two sets of handwriting. The idea that there seemed to be kind of two motivations for the Black Hood in the sense that there's this the the guy who's like going after sinners, and then there's <laughs> random, you know, to me, there were all these questions about, there were questions about the identity of the black hood that went unanswered because this one focused kind of on the motivation of the black hood and took the identity at
0: face value.
1: And so to me, no.
0: I don't know if you can hear that in the background. A little bit, a little bit. A car just drove by my window. Playing very loud mariachi music, and we don't have oh, you know, the copyright to that mariachi uh, music, so nobody tell the authorities. Exactly. <laughs> if it's, uh, you know, it's it's probably
1: if we rec- if we put this on YouTube, then I'll get a copyright strike immediately. Uh, <laughs> that'll. Show we did an issue of Emerald, or we did an episode of Emerald City Video where we were talking about Dunkirk. Uh, my co-host thought it would be really clever to edit the video and like cut in some of the footage from the trailer that we, like some of the shots we were talking about
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the 40 seconds of music from the trailer that he had in the episode, they demonetized the video because the copyright Jesus. holder of the video is water tower music. Yeah, I'm sure You're clearly I'm...
0: using it to further a conversation. It should be fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you can contest those things, but you know, unless your unless your podcast has at least Archie Digest numbers, because like Archie Digest probably does thirty or forty times the traffic that Emerald City Video does.
0: So I mean, unless, yeah, we have seventeen million listeners.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But unless you have it at least you know, say, a thousand, two thousand people listening. Okay. There's literally no point of going through the various steps that you have to go through to fight the copyright bots. Uh, okay. Because cool. if I'm going to spend 40 minutes screwing around with YouTube and the end result is, oh, look, I made 72 cents from that video, that was a waste of my time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that.
1: But, uh, but yeah, so to me, uh, the... I think it's going to be fortuitous that Betty did not get rid of all of the evidence. And I think that it's, it's interesting to me. I think there was a shot in the trailer, uh, like the trailer for the episode, Mm -hmm. the photo that Betty had of her grandfather and the other members of the
0: lynch mob. Right. The dude's hanging out by the tree.
1: Yeah. It looked to me like in one of the shots from the trailer, one of the people had their face, like, scratched out. Oh. And that shot, maybe I'm misremembering, maybe I'm crazy, but I could have sworn I saw that in the trailer, and that shot was not obviously in the episode. hmm So that could very well speak to, if I'm remembering that correctly, that could very well speak to where we're going in the second half of the season. Certainly the fact that somebody was taking photos of Archie and Veronica could speak to where we're going in the second half of the season.
0: Mm-hmm. I do want to say I, I was a that. little... And I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, as you mentioned before, I think we all kind of assumed that this would be it for the Black Hood and that storyline would be wrapped up. Right. And there's still so much to... not Not just to figure out, but like, we need to, We we still don't know why, and mm. we don't know, and clearly it all has much deeper ties to the past of Riverdale, as seemingly fucking everything on this show does. Nothing happens in this town that doesn't have some weird tie to everyone's ancestors, mm-hmm. which really scares me about anyone who would ever want to live here. Yeah, right. Because chances are you had horrible grandparents, and... I love that it just keeps getting sort of deeper into that rabbit hole. And it also mixes the families in ways that you wouldn't expect. Like, clearly based on everything that went down in season one, we know that there's a shared bloodline between the the uh, the Blossoms and the Coopers. But at the same time, you never would expect those two families to be close enough to literally kill people together. Yeah. Huh. They killed people together. Yeah. And that's
1: That's to me, it's really interesting because one of the things that Cole told us when we were on set was that everybody, all the kids on this show are still living in kind of the shadow of their, their parents' sins. And obviously, we saw that as a pervasive theme for Betty last season. We're seeing that as a pervasive theme for Jughead this season. I mean,
0: and we're seeing that as a, as a theme for Betty this season too. In that's true. Uh, friggin' Alice Cooper get going back to her serpent roots. Which can I just
1: say? Uh, I can't remember if it was this episode or last week. I think it was actually last week. But the so. at, at the bar, Machin was just. Uh, that performance was so good. It reminded yes. me of why I was disappointed with Molly last season. Because to me, you can see all the good things about Young Machin and about like her performance from Twin Peaks reflected back and emphasized in her performance last week. Absolutely. And. You, Again, like I wasn't as down on Ringwald as you and Craig were possibly because I just didn't have as high expectations of
0: it. I legit don't remember anything about Molly Ringwald on this show other than she played Archie's mom and was kind of boring.
1: Yeah. And that but to me (laughs) Which says a lot about
0: how well she did for me. For for
1: whatever reason that was all I could think of when I was watching those scenes with Machen is like, not only is she so good, but she's so good that she's like retroactively embarrassing Molly Ringwald because I, I remember let's like Molly was this actress that we all loved 25 years ago. And she mm-hmm. turned into a performance that you'll never remember versus Machen where she was often considered kind of one of the weak links in twin peaks. And she's just so fucking good now. Uh, but also that performance totally calls back to the most interesting and most charming things that she did on Twin Peaks.
0: Well, I think it also... I think the beauty of what she did in that episode and what she's kind of been sprinkling in here and there is before we got the sort of idea that Alice Cooper has a history with the serpents, She like her character, she loved her kids. She loved her kids, obviously. Yeah. But it was almost... <laughs> Calling it one-dimensional feels like an insult, but I don't mean it that way. She was very... It was a very sort of one-dimensional, like, negative, sort of overbearing parent. Yeah. Then when we see her sort of walk the line between her current life and her past life, we see her kind of going back to that fire that she had in Twin Peaks as an actress. And she's getting to do stuff that is so outside of what would normally be considered... The Alice Cooper, the same thing when she showed up at the, uh, was it a, what did she show up to where she wore that, that crazy dress? The, it was a party being thrown by the Blossoms. Was it like a fundraiser of some sort?
1: Yeah, I think it was a fundraiser. It, oh no, you know what? It, was? it wasn't by the Blossoms. It was the lodges. Cause it was uh, like a kickoff party for the Sodale thing. And that's why they had Nick and his family in town.
0: The date yes. rapist. Yes, so it's when when they let Machen sort of break out of what the mold for Alice Cooper has been set up to be, and mm. they give her a they give her like this dramatic makeover, and she brings with it an entirely new attitude that is so different from what we expect from Alice, but also sort of fits right in with what we mm. want from Alice, and it just works. And for me, the moment in the last episode with the serpent's thing was when. She walks in with Betty, and she says, "And she just, she's like, I tried to get Betty to dress better. I'm sorry."
1: <laughs>
0: like yeah. I was like, "That is so. That is so perfectly Alice Cooper." But also, she's literally saying she tried to slut her daughter up, and her daughter said no.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, a- it becomes a "Be careful what you ask for" because as soon as Betty actually does slut herself up, both Jughead and Alice are like, "Oh my god, what the fuck."
0: Yeah, yeah. It, that it bet these kids. Yeah, the last few episodes are just series of kids making terrible decisions. Yes, uh, although it,
1: the the penny thing is interesting to me because as a viewer, I'm just not interested in her story. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the actress is fine. I just I, it doesn't it doesn't speak to me. And so as much as what happened with Jughead and the Younger Serpents this week was clearly a terrible decision that's going to have terrible consequences down the line,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I do kind of go, I would be okay if they just decided that was the decision and the Younger Serpents now have this kind of shared secret. And I, I, that's the end of it.
0: I'm kind of in a similar boat on that. I so Part of me wonders if it's there's there's so much going on everywhere else on the show Mm -hmm. penny peabody is just another wrinkle to try to figure out and maybe we don't need another like the wrinkle for the serpents should be freaking fp was forced to go back into the serpents to sort of save his son the moments when he tells jughead like you've like, you've disappointed me more than I ever thought you could. Yeah. But he says it with such love, and you're like, this, like, FP really thought this was going to be his chance to do something different and sort of save his life and his family. Mm -hmm. But because his son thought he knew better, now he's stuck back in this horrible place that he doesn't necessarily want to be in. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that is the Serpent storyline that I, as a viewer, am most interested in. Not so much the politics of, like, what does a snake charmer need? Like, I I get a storyline about the younger serpents versus the older serpents. I think there's value in that. But Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think Penny Peabody is...
1: The vehicle for it.
0: I just don't think she's necessarily needed for that.
1: Uh, yeah, and I like I said, I kind of feel the same way. And again, I don't know... I can't put my finger quite on why. I just don't care about her story because the actress, as I said, she's perfectly fine in that role. Right. It, it's really just that, for whatever reason, every time she comes on screen, all the air gets sucked out of the room for me. Uh, so I would love, and I don't think it will happen, but I would love for that to do, to be the end of her story, at least for now, and maybe she can show up in, like, season three... And be a surprise because now she brought
0: something interesting with her. Well, they draw. They sent her to Greendale, right? Yeah, maybe she's going to Netflix and she can run a there motorcycle, a lady motorcycle gang.
1: See, I'd, I, I would be solid with something like that. Like, like a women's biker gang on from. Sabrina
0: sounds badass.
1: That's true, and I'm sure if we look into the Little Archie uh, mythology, we can find some all-girl something-something that we could uh, could recruit over there. That would be cool. What I will say, uh, this is chapter 22. Chapter 28 is titled, There Will Be Blood. Uh, last, <laughs> no. week, last week, they shared the cover of it on Twitter. And Roberto, when he shared it, uh, said something about like a surprising return or a heartbreaking return or a return you never expected or, or, Oh, the unlikeliest return of all. My guess is Jason Blossom. Ah. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing is the unlikeliest return of all would obviously be Jason Blossom (laughs) because he's, he's like dead, dead. But my guess is episode 28 is the next time we will see the black hood mask in action.
0: You really think it'll be four episodes? It's it would be six episodes, six, but I six episodes. Like, Jeez. I
1: feel I feel like what we'll get is we'll get a lot of misdirects and a lot of hints and a lot of blah blah blah. And they will think that they're pursuing another mystery entirely. And then in this episode they'll finally reveal the black hood. Like that's my gut is that okay you know the unlikeliest return of all is because if we spend six episodes building up the next mystery and then we find out that the surprise perpetrator is the black hood who we all thought was dead well then let me
0: let me ask you this mm-hmm. is betty a black hood now i don't think so but they seem to be implying that that could, they they went out of their way this this show <laughs> um Clearly, we know Betty's not about to go on a murdering spree because that would be insane, even Mm -hmm. for Riverdale. Right. But what 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 is the significance of her keeping that mask? And because she she had a line, um, when it came to the abandoned house, uh huh. uh, Archie was like, "Well, let's go there," and she was like, "No, I can't." Oh no, maybe Jughead was like, "Let's go there." She's like, "I can't go back there because when I was there." I looked in the mirror and I saw something I didn't like. Yeah. And what she saw was herself in the Black Hood mask. Fast forward to now, after one of the Black Hoods has been killed, and she kept the mask.
1: Right. And that I think is... I don't know what that means. I I think it's interesting because obviously in the comics, Black Hood is kind of a Punisher-like, no-nonsense crime fighter. Mm-hmm. so I'm almost kind of wondering if she feels some perverse kinship with the uh, taking down sinners element of the Black Hood, and that's what you're seeing, is is that she has this kind of weird thing where she sees herself as, because yeah, obviously at this point, she said it to the Black Hood, you know, that she took down Jason Blossom's killer, and she took down the Sugar Man, and now she's taken down the Black Hood, and, and I think that On some level, uh, she can't quite wrap her head around the fact that she's a high school kid who's in way over her head. I think on some level she sees herself as somebody who is fulfilling this kind of grand purpose. And so to me, I I kind of wonder uh, whether that is the kinship that she feels. And that's why she feels that the Black Hood is a kind of a dark reflection of her. Uh, Because that at least kind of makes sense.
0: I, yeah, I, I, I get it. it, just, it uh. Especially since I believe that was the closing scene for the, ep- for the finale, right?
1: Yes. Uh, I believe so.
0: Hello, I, 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 I'm,
1: I'm just trying to remember for sure. Um.
0: Sorry, my, my, my signal was getting weird for a minute, so I was like, it might have just dropped me out.
1: Yeah, no, I I, um, um, I think you're right. But I, I I can't remember if it was the, if it was. I can't remember if it ended with Betty or if it went from Betty and then cut to the Archie and Veronica scene and ended with the Christmas Carol on the porch. I feel like it might have ended there. Um,
0: you might be. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Which again um, could be
1: I. I I don't think it's a given by any stretch of the imagination that the person taking photos, like surveillance photos of Archie and Ronnie, is the second Black Hood. But...
0: Oh, no, I, I didn't get... That. That's not what I... I had a... When that happened, I had a very specific idea. I'm like, oh, Hiram hired somebody to follow them. Right. Although,
1: it to me, that would be a little bit weird because Veronica... Like, I don't get the impression that Veronica... was would lie to him about because obviously they knew that Archie had given her the present and they had a car bringing her everywhere. And but I, I just, I don't know what the point of them follow of Hiram having them followed to that place and time would have been because I feel like there's no reason for her to have lied to Hiram about the fact that she was going to give a Christmas present to her boyfriend
0: could uh, also, which is why, in, in, like in that case, given that Veronica has been quote unquote brought into the inner circle or whatever. Yeah. Uh, someone going, someone going, looking for weaknesses to use against Hiram.
1: That was kind of my first thought, honestly. And that's, it it only kind of spilled over into like, maybe it's the other black hood as you and I started talking about the end of the episode, but it could be a lot of things, but I do think that cutting, if, if, if I'm remembering it correctly, and they cut from Betty and the Black Hood to somebody taking surveillance photos of Archie, then it does it does behoove us to at least remember that the Black Hood's biggest defining characteristic for the first half of this season was like stalking Betty. That's true. Uh, it would be interesting to me if, for whatever reason, Black Hood number two did not share the fixation with Betty and was stalking either Archie or Veronica. Although then you would have to kind of come up with a justification for that because obviously mm-hmm. the justification they gave for the fixation with Betty, the fact that she represented the kind of idealism and or idealized version of Riverdale. And then she had the speech at the Jubilee and all that kind of crap. Like that made a lot of sense. Right. Uh, In as much as, The pseudo-serial killer being obsessed with a teenage girl can never make a lot of sense. yeah. Also, by the way, (laughs) he is not a serial killer. The number of times that we've said serial killer this season, officially, right, he did not kill more than one person before. No, uh,
0: to be, to be, I I hate that I know this. Uh, To be considered a serial killer, I believe it is three people over the span of at least 48 hours, maybe? Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure it's three people. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm actually going to look up the definition of serial killer. And this is one of my things. This
1: begs the question how reliable and how omniscient are Jughead's narrations? Because. Hey, now we're getting into what I like. Yeah, well, because to me, Jughead's narrations are done in the past tense. Which suggests yes. that it's potentially an omniscient narration being told from after the story's over. Mm-hmm. And clearly he says multiple times serial killer. And Jughead is not the kind of person who uses language poorly. Yeah, so I, I do would... think it's relevant that, you know, as you're saying, you're like looking up the definition. I think that Jughead would know the definition of a serial
0: killer. It's three murders over more than a month. Yeah, uh, which makes sense because
1: then then the idea would be that if you're just killing a couple of people, like if, if it's like you're killing, like what the uh, the Riverdale Reaper did, uh, where they killed you know everybody all at one time. Well, that's not a serial killer. That's like a, a spree killing or that's a whatever the hell you call it. Right. Uh, serialized. Uh, you know, serial means it's serialized. But so to to me, I'm really interested by the fact that we referred to him and the network referred to him and Jughead most importantly referred to him as a serial killer a bunch of times. And so this right, like it really does raise the question in a way that we didn't have last season of when and where is this narration coming from?
0: I am actually really glad you brought up Jughead as narrator because there have been a lot of instances, uh, over the last the last two really episodes that really called Jughead's narration into question for me, um, painting FP as heroic as he does, mm-hmm. like I'm not calling I'm not saying FP is a bad guy, but right. he, these last couple episodes he's been painted as almost a saint in that he's ready to turn his life around, but he gave it all up for his son, you know, yeah, and. Jughead has made a series of really poor decisions that have been framed as really good ideas.
1: I also want to add to that just before you continue Mm
0: -hmm.
1: last week, there was a bit that, that really like it bothered me on kind of a visceral level, which is the way Jughead fixated on his dad's being kind of emasculated. And he was like, "Well, I don't want my dad to be a bitch, and so let's drag him back into the serpents with this party, yeah, and you're and you're sitting here going, Wait, what? You, didn't you spend all of the first season trying to keep him pain? away
0: from this
1: yeah, and I understand that circumstances have changed in the sense that he now knows what f p brings to the serpents, and that without f p the serpents are kind of this dangerous and unstable unit, right but He didn't really broach that part of it. It was literally, my father used to be a king. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) So to me, that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying in the way that, like, Jughead's, assuming that we're still seeing the show from Jughead's perspective, Jughead's depiction of himself and his father has been very
0: odd. It 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 well it really has and like the the thing that the thing that bothers me it not that it, bo- it doesn't bother me in a bad way it sticks right. out to me as I'm watching these episodes is season one was filled with Archie doing stupid things that made him look dumb mm-hmm. season two is doing a lot of the same things with Jughead but they're framed as him having these really good ideas that other people sign on to. Like yeah. he managed to like he managed to rally all the young serpents around him to do this thing. He ma- like and then was almost immediately told by FP like that was not you should not have done that. Yeah. Why 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 would you do that? Uh, and it's it's just, it's it's a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, I if it's intentional that they're doing it this way to show that Jughead is telling the story to make himself look better, mm-hmm. That's fucking genius. Yeah. If not, I have some serious questions.
1: No, I I agree. Uh, I do think that, to my mind, this episode reinforces the idea that they are going to, at some point, play with the idea of Jughead as a narrative voice, or as a narratorial voice, because just at the moment when he would have incriminated himself, either by attacking this woman with a knife, or by wussing out and doing something else that, that wouldn't be as ostensibly heroic, mm-hmm. it cuts away. We don't know the end of the scene with Penny Peabody because the decision was made to cut out at that exact moment where Jughead pulls a knife. So to me, that's a, I think that's, that, a very good point. That's, that's the kind of thing that I feel like, okay, that would, that would be how Jughead would tell this story if he's telling it to a third party.
0: Well, I'm also looking at the point. I'm also looking at it like if we look at other issues that Chuck had sort of been embroiled in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last episode, he he dumps Betty, but he does so because this is what's good for you. It's for your own safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I can't have you around. This it's bad for you. And she almost immediately kisses Archie. Yeah. Like, and I believe that was in this last episode. Yes. Yeah, in that was. Daughter?
1: That was last week because this week he they d- almost he dumped her last he dumped her last week, but then they kissed last week too? Oh no no, you're right. They did kiss in this week because last week was last week was it ended with the monologue about the two of them breaking up and with Archie and, then and ben Betty Cooper, looking at each other. Archie Cooper, yeah,
0: though. Archie it says he's he's looking at his next door neighbor for the first time. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me. Which was what? Which was weirdly aborted, this episode? Because they... Well, yeah, they had had the one moment, like Archie and Betty had the one moment uh, in, I think, Betty's car? Someone's Mm -hmm. car. Where she kissed him, and he looked kind of surprised, and then they immediately, by the next scene, they had forgotten that that story point existed. I...
1: I don't know that they forgot it existed. I... I read it as Betty immediately regretting her decision because
0: hmm.
1: I could, Archie. I didn't think looked like he thought it was a mistake. Archie just looked confused by it, which makes Betty. Sense I for thought, Archie. looked kind of horrified. So I, I think that I think that what happened is that Betty initiated it. Archie let it happen. He didn't know what to make of it, and she immediately regretted it.
0: I can see that, but it's it's just more like if this is a, again if this is a story being told by Jughead, mm-hmm. it just it it rings to me as he heroically ended the relationship to save her, yeah, and then she fell into the arms of the boy next door, only to realize Jughead is my true love, right? And I get that as a I get that as him telling the story of him. But, like, it's yeah. one of those things no, where i like, I really hope that's how it plays out, that this was all intentional. Did, that, did you guys talk to, because you were on set recently, um, did, you, did anybody bring up the idea of Jughead as a narrator to anyone on the show? I feel like one of
1: us did, and that Cole answered it kind of blithely. And said that he didn't think Jughead was a credible narrator, but he didn't really give a good reason why. Although that might have been last year. Mm. Uh, I can't recall. Uh, like I, I remember that. I remember Cole answering that question, but I can't distinctly that's remember.
0: That's the deep dive. Any, any, any journalist re- listening to this who gets to it before I do, that's the deep <laughs> dive interview with uh, the showrunner I want to hear. Yeah. Just taking apart Jughead as the narrator.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that absolutely would be a great. And again, it's the kind of interview that I wish we got to do more often because I feel like that would be super interesting, but it wouldn't speak to it. It would be way more
0: interesting than like, let's talk to the guest star of the week.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't speak, the the problem with it is that it doesn't speak to next week's episode. So publicists aren't interested in it. And a certain chunk of the fandom is not interested in it. And it's a hard sell. Jerks. But, uh, but yeah, that's. I I think that it's interesting that both of us kind of separately came to the idea that that is something that this episode in particular shines a weird light on.
0: It it really does, and I I hope it's something that gets explored soon because it's for me. It's one of the more interesting parts of the show. Like I love this show, Mm -hmm. but trying to get into the thoughts behind the show is as fascinating to me as anything happening actually on screen.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally agree.
0: What else what else we got from the finale? I'm I'm struggling to remember certain we got, uh, plot points.
1: We got Nana Blossom back in a way that I think
0: certainly implies that there's more to that story. Oh my god, you know what else uh, we got? We got good old Mother Blossom hooking up with Santa Claus. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. That was very That uh, was so it was nice to see a Blossom family storyline that wasn't like horribly sad and aggressive, yeah, and just one that was just kind of silly holiday yeah. fun. No, totally. Those Although I'm sure
1: will Cheryl will find a way to make it a, a tragedy. Oh, of but, course
0: she will. That's that's the Cheryl Blossom way.
1: Um, and I will say, uh, this is one of those weird things. It's 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 a total, like it's a total personal observation, but. Because of the fact that every time we see Cheryl, like I used to joke last season about how when we saw Cheryl in her bedroom, she had those, uh, like the fuzzy slippers with heels on them. So that we, she was literally never on her bed and not like looking like she was going to go to a club. Uh, <laughs> it's true. This episode where she, well, it, it's just, it was weird. I, and I actually, I joked about it on Twitter. And I can't remember what she said, but Madeleine responded to it and basically confirmed that like that, yeah, that was a decision that they made creatively. That's uh, kind of awesome. But the uh, coming down the stairs this episode, it was it struck me as this is, this is as kind of human and vulnerable as we've ever seen Cheryl. Because she comes down the stairs and she's in like a slip. She doesn't have her Heels on, she doesn't have her makeup on, and Madeleine looks more like a cute high school girl than usually where she's kind of a sexed Damn. up badass. And because of the fact that, A, I talked about that so much last season with the kind of over the top, almost humorous nature of, of what they did with Cheryl. And B, the conversations that we had with Cole last year about the importance of anytime you see Jughead without his hat on. Yeah. It it strikes me that when you look at a scene like this and you see Cheryl in bare feet and no makeup, it feels to me like that's the filmmakers trying to show this is the real Cheryl. She's vulnerable here. And so I think that the fact that it came at that moment that was such a very different moment than we usually see from the Blossom family Mm -hmm. is going to end up being telling.
0: I hope we see more of it. No, I I agree. I I love Cheryl Blossom, Mm -hmm. but man, I love that we were getting to sort of explore layers of the character that we just didn't get to before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think if I'm reading it right, and if the, the thing here is she's vulnerable because this is the real her, that could say some really interesting things about what she, like, the the desires that she sublimates in order to, like, put a face forward. And so yeah. if, if they explore that, I think that would be a really interesting look at Cheryl because so far it's been pretty easy to say Cheryl is basically a high school supervillain. Kind of, yeah.
0: And in that moment, we just kind of got to see Cheryl is not a high school supervillain, but just a high school girl.
1: Yeah. And very she, taken... The other thing is taken aback, which is she's almost never taken aback, even when truly terrible, tragic things happen. For instance, when Betty called her to tell her, oh, by the way, your dad is a murderer. Remember yeah, her, she was refa- so her cool. response was yeah, so she was
0: Calm and collected about it.
1: Yeah. And she didn't respond to it until she could control the situation. She didn't say a word until she was at her mom's side and ready to be like, you're screwed now. And so to me, the very kind of human reaction, like it was just funny in this episode, but I do wonder if it says more about the character than you would necessarily think.
0: Madeline was great. Mm -hmm. Madeline in season one of the show uh, was maybe my favorite character, not just on the show, but like on TV. Like I loved season one, Cheryl Blossom. She was the perfect nemesis for this, these group of kids, but she wasn't, you you were supposed to hate her, but you kind of loved her. So that like you hated her so much that you loved her. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been really easy to just keep doing that going into season two and keep her as just sort of this hated high school mean girl, I guess. Right. But I think from the – I think what we've seen is that, yes, that that is her surface layer, But there there have been times when she's been there for these people in ways I don't think anybody would have expected. And as this season rolls on, I love the idea of digging below that surface and getting to who this character really is and why she feels the need to put on this front. Obviously, we know that a lot of the way she acts is because of her upbringing, and a lot of it feels very defense mechanism. Mm Mm-hmm her her locker literally says hvic in giant letters on it. Yeah. Like she knows exact she knows exactly the image she's portraying to the world. But I'm so thankful that the show is actually giving us the chance to look beyond that to who she is when she's alone. Yeah. And when she she's not like overly goth style dramatically grieving her zombie brother and all of these things. Like I'm mm-hmm. glad we're just kind of, sort of getting to see the human being underneath the character she sort of puts on for the world. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, now we just need know. now we just I'm trying to figure out who what other characters we I mean Jughead, Jughead it's not the same with Jughead, but I feel like he puts on a version of himself to the world. We've seen more of what's really going on underneath like, in sort of more private moments with just him and Betty. Um, but, like, his whole, his whole vibe is like the too cool guy from the wrong side of the track. So, like, now right. I have a motorcycle and a leather jacket and everything about me is awesome. Look at my hat. <laughs> and we're so... and we're, I, It's the same thing with him. I like when the show gives peeks at who these people are under the surface because mm. it would be so easy to just let them play as tropes and stereotypes of, like, this is what a high school mean girl is like, and it's Cheryl Blossom. But you realize, like, no, there's a reason she's like this, and we're also going to explore what created that. I'm really interested to see, post
1: this kind of explosion at FP about how he's happy and proud to be part of the Serpents, what's next for him. Mm. I'm also really interested to see Let's just take a second and realize FP's out of jail. Clearly, whatever Foster family took in Jughead is no longer in play. <laughs> he should be back at Riverdale now. And if he goes oh, yeah. back to Riverdale, what does that mean for his relationship to the Serpents, who he no longer sees every day?
0: Well, but, like, did he ever actually go to live with the Foster family? Because I thought he just spent all this his time in the trailer anyway.
1: No, yeah, he spent all his time in the trailer. The Foster family apparently were serpents who said, oh, yeah, we've got him. Oh. Uh, how
0: did he get into Riverdale High anyway? His trailer is literally on the south side.
1: One would think, it- although, I, I mean, I would assume so because that's how they've always referred to it. But, uh, I mean, I guess not, maybe, because obviously he was he was in this, this the Riverdale school district in the first season or whatever. It's just, to me, that was one of those weird things where as soon as they made it a thing that he was going to have to leave Riverdale and go into the Southside School District, it immediately raised questions about where that trailer was and why he wasn't already in the Southside School District. Yeah. But those questions have to be addressed now because FP's home, the normal from last season has been restored. Or it just so, won't be
0: addressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible it won't be addressed. But in my head, I'm like, you made such a big deal of it at the beginning of the season. It's going to be hard for at least trivia-crazy members of the audience, which is, as we've seen on Twitter, a good chunk of the Riverdale audience, yeah. to drop that. Because to me, I, I, I do suspect when the episode airs
0: tonight, we're going to see at least a handful of people going, Wait, what? <laughs> Well, he could end up back at Archie's house, as F.P. asked him to, and then he yeah. would technically live in the Riverdale School District.
1: And Sorry, I accidentally muted myself.
0: <laughs> and that's
1: the interesting thing, too, is that as soon as F.P. said that, it occurs to me that, you know, when I talked to Cole at San Diego, he said that one of the things Jughead has to do is to stop convincing himself that he has the power to change certain things that are outside of the scope of his control. And certainly a way to reinforce that would be that if FP decides to enforce his will on Jughead, he is both the head of the Serpents and Jughead's legal guardian, he could just send him to Fred's house.
0: This is where you live now. Uh, That's true. Well, I mean, Fred would have to say um, it. Yeah. Fred That's would have tragic. to agree. He can't just move in with Fred Andrews. <laughs> or
1: can he? Although I don't that, know. That also raises the question of we, they kind of promised us something in the season premiere and hasn't, it hasn't paid off yet in terms of an insight into whatever issues it was that made it so Fred couldn't adopt Jug.
0: Oh yeah. I legit forgot that was a thing.
1: Yeah, and that's one of that those was weird ever things brought where brought up. Yeah, I, I again I kind of feel like it's probably just not important. And that if it is important, it'll come up when there's a Fred centric story. But considering that at the time a lot of us speculated that was why he was targeted by the Black Hood, or at least it tied into why he was targeted by the Black Hood. Right it feels to me like if we see the Black Hood pop up again as a narrative device, which I think that we will, that question will be raised again.
0: Yeah, I can uh, see that. I would hope so. And I, mean, there, I, I don't like when shows leave sort of dangling plot lines.
1: Yeah. Just Although I, I will say that part of do it. the appeal of Riverdale is that they kind of fully realized a lot of these characters in such a way that I don't think we can tie up every single thing that's been mentioned because it would be like trying to make a TV show where you address every important thing that's ever happened to any person. Mm. That's basically
0: impossible. Yeah, Uh, I mean... There are even characters on the show that I'm surprised have been sort of... Uh, turn into fully fleshed out characters. Yeah. I have to give Uh, them credit. Say again? I have to give them credit for that because there are so many characters I was like, there's no way this will turn into a bigger deal and it does every time.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, we've missed some of those during the weeks that we've been off and we'll be talking about that in like a catch-up episode with Craig soon, but there's a lot of... Uh, certainly, if nothing else, I'm super interested to see the fact that they went back and tried to fix Chuck Clayton.
0: Suggests yeah, to yeah, me... I feel like Chuck Clayton's the big one. Yeah, That's I mean, where I was like, holy shit, they're sort of trying to redeem Chuck Clayton. I did not expect that. Yeah,
1: and suddenly it makes the, the show feel like a living document in a way that it didn't before. Because... It's like the last time you see a character doesn't mean their story is written, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 always curious as to which of those kind of throwaway things will and will not come back. <laughs> but uh, I think that this episode we saw a handful of them. I certainly think that we didn't get the whole story from Nana Blossom. And I certainly oh, think no that way. she's taking advantage of being an old person and going like, oh, I've got the vapors, uh, as opposed to answering the question that was in front of her. Yeah. My other they're, question.
0: They're so, there's, there's definitely something going on with Battle Blossom. Oh, yeah. I, I love that that's a character that they, they're sort of revisiting and using as... I, they're kind of using her as like a really weird tool of exposition. Yeah, and I'm all for it. Cause like the way the kids get information on the show drives me insane sometimes. <laughs> As a teenager, you know what I couldn't have done: looked for pol- looked for police records. Yeah, I don't care how friendly I am with an officer I- of the law. I don't think he's going to be like, oh, yeah, here's our open murder investigation file.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: and, and I guarantee I, you, I'm not going to break into a place to steal it. I, I will give them credit for
1: this is the second season in a row that somebody has stolen the police files, which then allows them kind of an end run around it. You know, Betty <laughs> well, that just tells found, me that
0: this is a terrible police station.
1: It really does. Uh, although I like the fact that they gave... Uh, sheriff Keller, like a hero, shot in this when he when he shoots the black hood. Yeah, and you got the, hey, Pat, the- Craig.
0: <laughs>
1: Although technically he is now a killer.
0: Yeah, but he. I mean, let's be honest. He was probably a killer before, but like from the wall. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in a town where
1: everybody is horrible. I'm sure the sheriff has killed somebody by the time he's fifty.
0: Oh, I guarantee <laughs> you, everyone in that town has killed at least three people. <laughs> that's you know bad. probably true <laughs> uh, the,
1: I'm glad that Archie did not have to kill the Black Hood but I am almost surprised and I kind of wonder if they're setting it up that that's what he'll have to do in the finale
0: but you think he'll have, to, you think he'll have to kill
1: it, it would not shock me if at the end of the day the second Black Hood, it comes down to Archie versus the Black Hood, because that's how they set the season up. And
0: yeah, but do you re- do you really think Archie's going to kill Betty like that? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not going it, to be Betty. No, no
1: i I do, however, think going on the logic that there are two black hoods and that this is a thing that will be explored in the second half of the season. The black hood we've seen now, I think you're right. I think that the eye color is going to be a thing and that it'll be another middle-aged guy who has the green eyes next
0: time. If, if the eye color isn't a thing, wow, what a dumb first couple of episodes this season.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other, But I will acknowledge that the other side of that is if they decided for whatever reason to dismiss the eye color thing, then they could theoretically make the Black Hood anybody. It doesn't need to be a male of a certain building mm. just because we saw him in the season one finale. It could actually be, you know, Midge or... Uh, uh, who is it that everybody thought it was? Um, thanks, I'm blanking. On oh, Ethel. Yeah, uh, there was a there was a really popular fan theory online that Ethel
0: was uh, either was the black hood or was working with him. And we, well, we haven't seen her since that one time she got chased.
1: I believe we saw her briefly since then, but yeah, we haven't. Uh, she hasn't. We haven't spent any time with her. And I will say, the the theory goes essentially that. You know, the the Lodges hurt her family. Her dad, we know to be unstable because he tried to kill himself. We haven't seen him in person at all. She clearly was enjoying the sadism of Dark Betty. Uh, And so there are all these kind of weird little things that people put together. And then when I wrote up this fan theory as part of one of my stories, I noted also that the house in the middle of nowhere that we saw her go by when the van was stalking her in episode, I want to say two of the season Mm. uh, could have been our first look at the Conway house, the house of the devil from this episode or from last episode. I can't recall specifically whether or not it is the same house, but my first thought back when Betty came and put the hood on was that it was in fact the same house. And I think we talked about hmm. that on the podcast, although it might not have been an episode you were on.
0: I No, I I think, I believe I remember this, yes.
1: But, so, it, it's one of those wacky theories where I kind of looked at it and I said, you know, there's, it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, and more, more that she would be working with her dad who was the Black Hood than that she actually was herself. But again, now that... If we were to assume that the eye color thing really isn't important, which I think is a big assumption, but if we were to assume that the eye color thing really wasn't important, then now that we've seen the middle-aged white male black hood die, the second half of the equation could be anybody. It could be like the yin-yang thing on Psych where you know everybody thought it was a, a 50-year-old man because he was the one writing the letters and making the phone calls, but then it's Ali Sheedy. Right.
0: Oh my God! What if the black hood is Ali Sheedy, and that's how they start a Breakfast Club reunion? Go. I would. I. You know. I would support that. I would be willing to forego oh,
1: on more things. I do too. Uh, just in general. That that. I, I would support that wholeheartedly. <laughs> or we could make Judd Nelson the second black hood. He could wear contacts.
0: I'm into it. Listen, in the age of digital, we can do anything to eyes as we want. We can just delete them. That's very true. Uh, you think anything else that we
1: want? Because I think we're running pretty significant time. This, this. I kind of thought that with just the two of us, we, would, we wouldn't go that long. But then again, the three of us talk over each other so much, I don't think that we would have had a 20-minute conversation about <laughs> Jughead as narrow voice. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. I think you and I finding that same thing interesting – and nobody else to like say. Oh, and also we forgot about Ethel. Uh,
0: <laughs> probably is, is why that happened. <laughs> um, three three dudes talking can be a lot of talking. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, trying to think of anything else that really screams that it needs to be addressed. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with the the increasingly complicated financial relationship between. Fred and the Lodges, now that the the Lodges have essentially surrendered to Veronica and allowed her to drop $100,000 on Archie.
0: I mean, um, I wish I knew Veronica, because I got student loans, and yeah. they're way less than $100,000, but I'd still take the money. Right? Uh,
1: if If I was... When I was 16 years old, if I had a girlfriend who was league and paid for my father's medical expenses, I
0: probably would have married her. Yeah, immediately. Although, she doesn't seem to be into that. Well, that's true. That's true. (laughs) I, I, You know, I will
1: say I was a little... That whole subplot is interesting to me because we talked a lot at the beginning of this season about how last season... Veronica was the voice of reason on the show as often as not. And at the beginning of this year, her dad came back and she became kind of infantilized. Mm -hmm. And I kind of see being unable to reciprocate and I love you to somebody with whom she's been in a relationship for at least six months as kind of an extension of that infantilization, or at least as something that would have struck me as very weird in the way she was characterized last year. At the same time, the abruptly way she, the abrupt way she did a one hundred and eighty on it when she decided that she wanted him back was almost as jarring as the fact that it was a problem to begin with. Yeah, it really was. I, I'm 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 interested to see if if they explore that more and kind of what the point of all that was. I'm worried. That the entire point of it was just to give Betty and Archie a moment and to create relationship problems for one or two of the ships down the line. Because if that's I the case, not. then
0: it's... I, I, I get that this, I, I, this I, is a I, CW show where mm-hmm. like, the whole point is to put people together to tear them apart because they're young and crazy. They're going to have sex with everybody. Whatever. But, like, just don't. Let things be normal and relaxed for a while. Is that too much to ask for? I, I, I really,
1: and again, it's a CW show. It's a teen show. There is a, an element of unreality to the relationships being stable. But the world of this show and of the community they live in is so heightened and so just crazy all the time that I really liked the fact that for half a season we locked these characters into relationships that we liked and they weren't constantly playing the will they or won't they game because the instability of literally everything on Riverdale was nicely complemented by the stability of those relationships
0: yeah I like ending it that way. That's ending Uh it on a positive note. I say that's how we go out. Sounds good to me. All right, Chris. A little bit of stability is all the world needs right
1: now. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, So where can everybody find you on the internet?
0: Uh, I'm on the interwebs, at Chris Hainer, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, On Facebook, it's – Jesus, I don't even remember. Uh, I think it's at – hold on. Isn't it at Chris Hainer on Facebook? No. All right. Uh, It's at Chris Hainer on Twitter and on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm at It's Chris Hainer. Uh, You can follow me in all of those places. You can follow at Waterworld Photos on Instagram, but I'm horrible and haven't updated in a while, even though I have a shit ton of photos to put up. Um, Outside of that, you can find me writing about all sorts of stuff at GameSpot, IGN, THR, Nerdist. Roughly, like, throw a rock at the internet, and chances are you'll hit hit me yelling about something. And
1: that's me. And or break your
0: monitor. Yeah, well, clearly.
1: Uh, I I will say that during my... uh, I, I was on a set visit to Black Lightning earlier this week, which we talked about off mic, but during my trip to Atlanta for Black Lightning, one of the other reporters that was there was incredulously relating to one of her friends that did you know that there's a water world stunt show at universal oh my god are you, are you kidding me not at all not kidding I at all this. and so i chimed in to be like you know my co-host on archie digest has and i i, I had them uh i directed them to your instagram feed perfect so. that's all i need but you can, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Russ Burlingame, R-U-S-S-B-U-R-L-I-N-G-A-M-E. I always spell it out because for some reason everybody spells my last name wrong, even though it's phonetic.
0: Oh, yeah. and That's uh, H-A-Y-B-A-R. Boom. Pardon? I just spelled my name out too, just in oh, case. Okay. I have a dumb last name. Yeah. Uh, other than that, if you want to read my stuff,
1: it's comicbook.com. If you want to listen to me, yell about things uh, going to be the Emerald city video podcast, which is ECV underscore podcast on Twitter, or you can find it on all those same podcast apps where you can find this one. When you're done finding this one, you should rate review and, yes. you know, recommend it to others, subscribe to it. All of those wonderful things that help us to, to reach out to more people and to do more fun stuff. Because as you know, the more people who listen to a show like this, the easier, easier it is for us to attract people like Haley and uh, Rob Rocco and, and the people who, uh, whenever they come on, the episode is one of the most popular and one of the, the ones that all of our listeners get excited about.
0: Also, I will, I'm challenging each and every listener to tell their mom about the podcast and see what happens. That's a good idea. I just want to know. I think my mom wouldn't know what a podcast was. Fuck no, neither would mine. My mom knows, uh, I should be like, oh, is that that radio you listen to on your phone? <laughs> oh, yeah, ma, you got it. I actually,
1: now you mention it, that I had to explain it to somebody that way during the, the set visit to, uh, to Krypton. I can't remember oh, who really? it was, but somebody there was, a, was.
0: There was, a, there was a,
1: a young person who didn't know what a podcast is? No, uh, we had a couple of uh, of reporters. One was from the New York Times Syndicate, and one was from uh, I want to say time out New York or something, but they were they've they 've been in the business for like forty years they were in their fifties or early sixties and uh, and so i I had the explanation of no it 's a radio show that you get on your computer uh, that I had to essentially <laughs> roll out for somebody which i haven 't said in reference to a podcast in probably five or ten years because I feel like most people who aren't my mom do know what a podcast is. So, yeah, tell your parents to see what they say. It could be, if, if nothing else, entertaining for you personally. <sighs> Poor parents. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening, and we will be back very soon. The show is obviously on hiatus, but as I said, Craig Byrne will be joining us for a catch-up
0: Oh, oh yeah, and we got a and we got a lot to talk about. Did you know? So yeah, the teenage witch is going to get a TV show. It's true. We yeah. talked
1: about that, but we did not talk about the fact that it was going to Netflix and therefore probably going to be super R-rated.
0: So oh shit, I didn't even think about that. That's awesome.
1: Yes, so Brain that is. will be our next conversation, folks. We'll see you soon.
0: And I swear to God, I'm still going to do the sweet life of the sweet. What is oh shit? I already <laughs> forgot what it's called. The sweet spot. The One sweet day, spot. just wait. Yes. All right. Goodbye. Everything's Archie. Archie's here.
1: Betty's here. Veronica too. she's here. Hey, Jughead, where
0: are you? Come on, let's go with the Archie show.